0: Space Nine, the last stop for Trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek D Space Nine featuring two veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin and I'll be your away team commander. Joining me is my science officer Anna with our new recruit Jude. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Uh, I would like to be, I would like to request that I be
1: changed from new recruit to acting ensign. Ooh, you want? Acting ensign as your as your new title. I mean, no, I don't want it. Okay, but I I know I'm not going to get an actual rank for a few seasons, so I feel like acting ensign is better than new recruit.
2: I I would like you to justify what what um like you know what what special acts have you taken to benefit Starfleet such that we would give you the the very very important title of acting ensign.
1: Uh, I have watched every episode. Of this, pod, of this show so far Including all of the bad ones <laughs> I sat through The name of the episode just went right out of my head But what was that godforsaken one uh, That we talked about with the, the the Weird ghosts Oh no it's in this episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love that Just love it oh, Dramatis
1: personae Yes I sat through that episode If that doesn't merit me A uh, honorific uh promotion to acting ensign i don't know what does
2: okay that's that's valid that's valid justin <laughs> do you, do you think we should allow it
0: um during season two we will change we will change your title to acting ensign I'll take it um it will mean that you'll be required to wear increasingly heinous sweaters during recordings dude I'm a dad in my forties. What do you think I wear <laughs> all the time <laughs> this is great this is great content uh listen listeners uh for reference about like what what are uh what we're at today is like i woke up like five minutes ago um <laughs> but um yeah you know i the to the point where i don't even have the the document for I only have the document for the finale open, um, <laughs> and I'm vamping for time to find to find episode eight here. There we go. There we go. Thank, thank you for that,
2: Jude. <laughs> Th- thank you. Thank you. She for just
0: maneuvered gift. a cat butt into to my view so, <laughs> as punishment. Good girl. That's my baby. <laughs> I'm so glad I have a recording of that. Tonight we are covering episodes. 17 and 18 of season one the forsaken and dramatis personae uh anna you had the the forsaken take us away
2: all right um this one uh was written by jim trombetta um with teleplay by don carlos dunaway and michael pillar and directed by les landau we open on Bashir and Quirks with the unenviable task of babysitting three visiting ambassadors, all of whom are determined to make his life a living nightmare of condescension, protocol, and endless requests. Oh, but wait. There's a fourth ambassador. None other than daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Rix, heir to the holy rings of Banasad, blogs on a <laughs> Uh, her Latin hair brooch has been stolen, and Odo comes to the rescue and retrieves it, uh, catching her eye in the process. <laughs> um, because we know we know that Loxana Troy has like many, many wonderful character traits, one of which is that she is constantly
0: DTF.
1: She is the most DTF character in Star Trek.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it's truly, yeah, <laughs>
2: it's impressive. Uh, so back in ops, O'Brien continues to try to wrangle the station computer, which is misbehaving so badly he is ready to scrap the whole thing and rebuild it from scratch over the next three years. The non-Luxana ambassadors have also insisted that Julian bring them to ops, to Cisco's acute dismay. Bashir has apparently been tasked not only with keeping them happy, but also keeping them away from Cisco and station operations. A probe comes through the wormhole, and O'Brien and Dax download its data and begin to investigate. Apparently, it's basically just a powerful computer, uh, and there's no clue as to its mission. Weirdly, though, the station computer starts to actually work properly after being tasked with analyzing the probe. Meanwhile, Loxana has set her sights on Odo and comes to visit him in security to flirt. This, of course, terrifies the constable, and he heads to Sisko's office to ask for help. Sisko just suggests that Odo handle the matter. Delicately. Bloxana immediately tracks down Odo and tries to bring him to Quarks for a picnic she's arranged in the Holosuite. Odo is horrified. His attempts to evade her are unsuccessful, and she follows him into the turbo lift. But the station systems pick that moment to malfunction, and both of them are stuck until repairs are complete. The stuck turbo lift is part of a broader issue O'Brien is having with computers, or perhaps not having them with the computers. Apparently, its attitude has changed, and it's performing much better than usual. But every time O'Brien leaves ops, there's some sort of new malfunction, almost like the computer wants him to stay there. Back in the Turbo turbolift, Odo attempts to wait quiet, quietly for rescue, while Waxana talks at him anxiously. And he ultimately starts to open up to her about his past, specifically his life as a test subject in a Bajoran research lab. Odo is also distressingly close to his daily turn into goo regeneration deadline, uh, and in pain as he tries to hold his solid form. And he's ashamed of just this whole process. Luoxana shows him a vulnerable side of him, of herself, her natural hair, and convinces him to trust her. Uh, so he transforms and regenerates as she holds him in the fabric of her dress. With the ongoing emergency, Bashir attempts to escort the ambassadors back to their quarters, but they are all trapped as a fire breaks out. O'Brien has been thinking on the computer's behavior and hypothesizes that the probe contained a digital life form, which is lonely and and enjoying the attention of everybody interacting with the computer. He likens it to a puppy that's upset about being left alone. So he constructs a doghouse, a pass-through program for station commands that can house his pup. He transfers the probe data back uh, into the program, and everything goes back to normal on the station. Oda and Laksana emerge from the turbo lift with solid shape and wig restored, and Bashir is lauded by the other ambassadors for his quick thinking in the crisis.
1: What a fucking absolute it's- crown of an episode. Just an absolute jewel of an episode.
2: What a I, banger.
1: I have... Yeah. There is literally nothing I can say bad about this episode.
2: And I will I will give you a spoiler here. This is not the last Luxana episode we get on Deep Space Nine. Thank
1: Christ. And, and that they are makes all a, this good. That is such good news.
2: <laughs> I loved and she continues to be thirsty for Odo forever.
1: <laughs> I have never shipped any two characters as hard as I immediately shipped <laughs> these two, except Spock and <laughs> Chapel on Strange New Worlds
0: my I mean, god it really is i mean part of that is that major Brett and renee aubergenois are two amazing actors yeah of like of like a certain era of hollywood and just you put and, and like i don't know there, there's just there's a certain era of hollywood of like you throw two actors together and they know how to have chemistry yeah um,
2: they're amazing together and it's it's, oh, it's so, so good. fun got my notes so i
1: i i like live commented this episode on our discord so my (laughs) notes for this episode are just the transcript of my notes and there's it's very funny to read it now like a couple days later because the progression of oh my god it's locks on a troy down to like all the the shenanigans they get up to is is just so good there's so many quotable moments in this episode with her my favorite i have Oh my God, the thin beige line between order and chaos. <laughs> oh I had to pause. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I had to pause and I, I got called out by my wife who was downstairs. she's like, what are you laughing at? You're working?" I was like, yeah, no, I'm not. I died. I laughed so hard at that line. And then it was so good. Later later in the in the elevator when he's when Odo tells her, uh, every 16 hours, I turn into a liquid, and without missing a beat, she just looks him straight in the face and says, "I can swim." <laughs>
2: <It> <laughs> unbelievable!
1: So unbelievable! Is... Just
2: yeah, you. Queen. We have now. We have now come to my Deep Space Nine, or possibly just Trek in general. OTP. Like this is it. Like here it it's is. So good. It's what makes so good. It,
1: What makes it work so well is that not only. Not only does not only is Lockswan DTF, as she confirms, as she reminisces fondly about banging a Ferengi while right? in the, the turbo lift.
2: Like he, but, he was disgusting. Well, not entirely disgusting. Actually, I rather liked him. You know, I didn't like you know super enjoy it when I had sex with him for the first time, but like the other times were fine. Yeah, just
1: so not only is she DTF, but like, and not only is she so not only is she like super like ready to climb that liquidy beanpole pole that is odo <laughs> she open she like manages to get him to open up too like they have an yeah. actual connection by the end of the episode so yeah. it's not entirely like it's not just like quark and Odo whereas like they have this weird funny rep you know repartee mm-hmm. and like but like there's an actual like emotional connection between these two characters by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. That makes their, you know, Loxwana's is just over the top horniness for Odo like work. Like it yeah. doesn't seem entirely like lecherous. It's, it's, it becomes something richer by the end of the episode that makes it all just so much better.
2: Yeah. That like, she is, she is like legitimately interested in him as a person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like, this is this is the thing that I love about her, especially in Deep Space Nine. Like I like her so much better in Deep Space Nine than I do in TNG, because I I don't really like a lot of her interactions with Deanna. But separate yeah. from the Enterprise, I love her a lot. And mm-hmm. the the like radical empathy yeah. that she brings to this um mm-hmm. is incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think part of it is that like when she's introduced into TNG, it's Look, Santa is here to inject chaos into an orderly environment mm-hmm. <laughs> and to make Deanna embarrassed because her mom is horny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yep. Whereas DS9 is like, it, it, it's just, we have a lot of chaos already. You'll
2: fit right in.
0: We are injecting another vector of that. One who is very different from the rest of the, from the rest of the cast, but still has the same energy. Yeah. yeah. Um also we all, all and it's and like on a separate level, it is it's the difference between Deanna's mom is horny and that's sort of gross to Luxana Troy is a is like and, and how DS9 used Luxana which is yeah she's horny but that's cool. You know, yeah. everybody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um or at yeah. least, you know, we, we respect everyone's right to be. Except for notably the ambassador who ends in Cisco punched because he wouldn't stop perving on an Enzim.
1: Yeah. A, a great detail that we learned in this episode.
0: To yeah. which I salute, I salute, uh, like, young Enzim. Uh, I was just going to say, Cisco. Yeah. What an icon.
1: I my, That's another thing I love about this episode. Cisco is in every
0: moment of this episode, dad. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's there's like a whole thing where where like where Bashir is like these are the worst people possible. How did you like you know like like what do you do with this? And he's like, you know, I had to deal with these when I was in, when I was like a young lieutenant. I you just sort of gotta roll with it, and you know, eventually you will stop getting these assignments. And and he's <laughs> like, you take some sort of perverse pleasure in handing this off at of me. And he's like,
1: yeah. <laughs> Just like a dad handing down generational trauma. And then with Odo, where Odo is like freaked out by Loxana and he goes straight to the dad, to the station dad, and is like, what do I do?
2: His response is like, like, I don't know, what do you do?
1: Yeah. His his response is basically like, I don't know, has someone had to talk with you? Like it's it's such a good conversation, Cisco is so unhelpful. It's fantastic. I just love I think,
0: it. Yeah. I mean, I think it is very I like I think it's something that like DS9 especially enjoys being is that like sometimes it's just like, no, there isn't really like a magic answer for this. You just gotta deal with it. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: I think it very much embraces the like inevitability of chaos the chaos of like bureau not bureaucracy, but like it's a lot of people and it's a complicated situation. And sometimes you just kind of got to run with it. And Cisco is the perfect commander for that. Cause he very much does have this, like doing the best I can do here. Like,
0: yeah. Do you want to know my favorite ironic thing about this? up ep- about like the, the Bashir plot line with this.
2: Absolutely.
0: It means that he will always be stuck on ambassador duty for the future.
2: Yeah, probably. because <laughs> of this. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh um, man.
2: Because he, do- he, he ends up like acing the assignment. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um Bashir has some really good moments in this, the the line of they're the ambassadors of unhappy.
0: Yes. There's <laughs> a lot of like really time. good like single lines here. There's the I the I like I can swim, obviously. Yeah. Um and like when Luxana has her brooch stolen and she's like grabbing Quark by the ear and he's, you're dealing with a daughter of the fifth house and I know where it hurts, you little troll. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, and the other one is like, where's like, oh, do you, do you do you like do you um, where like it's like, oh, do you did you have that bridge on you? She says, oh yes, I never use this hair without it. Iconic. Which, which is honestly, I I love her. I love yeah, her so much. I I. It's something. It's like there is a sort of kind of frankness mm-hmm. that like only like. Older people have of like, yes, I am wearing a wig. What about it? um yeah. That I absolutely, I absolutely love in this episode, and it like, yeah. The, the moment when like Luxana takes off her wig and shows it to Odo is honestly like one of my favorite moments because it's just like it, it's just a moment of such extreme vulnerability. It's yeah. such a
1: good and it's so earned. That is one mm. thing that drives me up a wall with a lot of TV is they reach for they reach for emotional moments but don't build to it. They want the they want the wham but they don't want to like get you there. And this episode does such a good job of building to that moment so that when she does be, make herself vulnerable to Odo, it's so good because you feel his you've been with him on this journey of like having her overshare and overexpose, and having him build this connection with her. So when she does make herself vulnerable to him, that connection feels yeah. really impactful and it just, it works so well.
2: And it's really interesting too, because like throughout, you know, throughout all that oversharing she is in many ways, not being vulnerable at all. Like, She's just fine with sharing mm-hmm. all of that with anybody, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's the moment where like, you know, she she, you know, reveals to she reveals to Odo like her real hair. And and I love the I love the rest of the scene there too, where Odo's like, What why do you cover it? It looks fine. And she's like, it looks ordinary. I've never cared to be ordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's also such a good line.
1: One thing I really like about that that whole sequence is also that the moment I feel like that sequence turns is when Loxwana starts asking him about his his childhood.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. the only thing it appears that Odo is more uncomfortable with from her than overt sexual interest is her uncanny empathy. Mm-hmm. She like zeroes in on like the ways in which his childhood was fucking weird and problematic and her empathy is so unerring there and the look on his face is he's far more distressed by that than by the fact that she wants to find out how good he is at you know replicating genitalia like she that's the part that freaks him out more than anything else and that's the that's where the the sort of the comedy arc turns towards like an emotional uh, catharsis and it just works so well
2: Yeah, and and like you, Odo has his little speech about how he was the life of the party. Yeah, um, and and Malakana being like, well, I can throw you a party, and you don't have to do anything. Everybody else will be there to entertain you. Mm
1: -hmm. It's so good, God, I just I love this episode. It's just so it's just fantastic from front to back.
0: Yeah, it's. It is. A, I think it is a standout one, and it does a very good job of. I mean, like we got we. There's like one or two others, but like this is where the where we get the facet of Odo of having interests and in inter- turn interiority beyond law enforcement mm-hmm. really starts. Yeah, and. I'll learn. We, we we get to learn more about Odo's upbringing next season, um, and how he was originally, for lack of a better word, raised um, in a yeah. laboratory. <laughs> we will meet Odo's air quotes dad. Oh yeah. boy. Yep. And I'm sure boy. that's not a
1: fraught relationship at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I would say the other thing I the last thing about this episode that I love is O'Brien like knowing something's wrong with the computer from like the tenor of its voice or like how helpful it's being. I have again, almost an uncomfortable amount of empathy with, with O'Brien here. And I, I again assert that someone on this writing staff has worked in (laughs) it because the ways that O'Brien, the the ways that O'Brien expresses himself as like an engineer is just too it's too accurate to the the lived experience of anyone who has ever worked around computers like yeah. professionally uh and i just <laughs> i don't know that i necessarily would want to be o'brien but i know that, that that is who i would be were i to isekai into star trek deep space nine that is that is that would be my my role for sure
2: I, I also, what a fascinating solution to the eight mm-hmm. plot right? Yeah. That, like, you know, you're expecting, you're expecting that they're going to, like, figure out what it is and they'll use that to get it out of the computer. But no, that thing is just in the computer forever, making it work better. Yeah. They just, like, you know, it's like Federation, Bajoran, and Cardassian technology plus, like, a digital space dog.
1: Yeah. Some weird Gamma <laughs> Quadrant space dog. God knows where it came from. Just
2: and just in that computer system. Yep. Yep. I hope it, work it Never properly. pays
0: off. I hope it is just there and they never mention it again. As far as I know, it never gets mentioned again.
2: Yeah. Which is why like my assumption has been that 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 it's just there in perpetuity and like the computer causes fewer problems for from here on out. Like and my assumption is that the space dog is just doing its job. Yep.
1: That's fantastic. Just the computer just likes O'Brien now. Better. Better. I love how much he hates the computer at the start of
0: this episode. It's so good. It's so good. God. Um,
2: And like, it's... and Cisco tries, and this is also a great like Cisco dad thing because Cisco like tries to banter back with him, but like doesn't quite grasp just how frustrated O'Brien is.
1: Oh yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely your, your, your parent trying to talk to you about technology and, okay. and missing by inches, yeah, it's perfect. Oh man,
0: the oh. Speaking of technology, uh, we get our first mention here that DS9 has its own unique form of, uh, of store of data storage. It is not the unlabeled crystal of <laughs> Babylon Five, and not the isolinear chips that Starfleet uses, but um. Isolinear rods. <laughs> yes. I find
1: that less offensive. I, I I I don't get like bent out of shape. You would think that uh I the all the isolinear horseshit in Star Trek would bother me as much as the the B five cr- random crystals, but it doesn't for one reason. Nobody is like ba- like bantering around isolinear chips or rods or whatever like USB sticks. Like they're always like in a, in a board and they're like waving a waving sticks at them or something. Like it's always treated like a little bit obscure. Like it makes sense that nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. An unlabeled crystal, an unlabeled crystal is not an effective USB drive.
0: We will see, we will see those rods occasionally used as USB drives, but
1: well, then I'm sure I will get angry about that. (laughs)
0: yeah um they're they're just like i mean they literally are just like res like they're they're like resin just little sticks which i love them
2: (laughs) they they, they're like nicely glowy actually like they catch the light nicely
0: Major barrett i know that face she's already appeared on this podcast um we love that uh, we, we 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 probably talked about I, we talked about what she is famous for in mm-hmm. you know when we when she was on b five but i mean she has looks troy she is the original number one and she is the 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 voice of the computer of the enterprise
2: and the original nurse chapel too
0: yes oh gosh yeah
2: yeah that that have you seen the have you seen the meme of the uh you know, number one and, and um Chapel from Strange, Strange New Worlds and Majel Barrett. And, you know, this is what they have to do to have a fraction of my power.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just looked it up on Memory Alpha and Pup, the alien program, is never again mentioned in the TV show.
2: Amazing. It does, it's in the computer forever.
1: It does get a mention, however, in the uh, DS9 novel. Oh, where'd it go? Uh, In the DS9 novel Valhalla.
0: Yeah, I I saw that and I was like, is this? And it's like, it's one of the ones where it's like, "Ah." so this is back in the era of like serial uh, of like licensing. Like unlike say Star Wars, which had like a, which had like Lucas or depending on who had the rights for it, because the, the rights changed back and forth a couple times during the old expanded universe. But there was always like somebody from Lucas who was there to like keep an eye on what was going on and make sure everything coalesced. <laughs> kind of.
1: But yes, I get I what mean, you're saying.
0: Like or at least like, yeah, there there was always somebody there to watch the licensing. That never fucking happened.
1: Yeah, my understanding That's... my my understanding of Star Trek versus like Star Wars novelizations is that with Star Wars, the there is an attempt made to keep it all one-ish, like, universe story going forward. And in Star Trek, yeah. it's just like, no attempt made.
0: Yeah. Is there the- any of this
1: canon? Who knows? Throw it like, all at the wall.
0: Th-
2: things will get picked up from the books and end up in, like, you know, now and then they'll get picked up from the books and, you know, make their way into uh, one, of the, one of the shows and go from memory beta oh, yeah. canon to memory a- alpha canon.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like, they're, and there are sort of like two sets of books. There are books that are associated with a series that are designed to be like mini episodes that were like these pocket paperbacks that you could pick up that would be like, they'd be numbered as well. Yeah. And they basically like slide in in between episodes. Like they're meant to slide in between episodes as like that sort of idea. And they'd mm-hmm. even be like numbered and stuff. Then there was like, the big published ones like those these were they're like the pocketbooks and there were like the full novels um Mm -hmm. that got released
1: so you're telling me that the series of novels about the teenage dwarf at the academy is not canon um
0: i mean none of it is actually yeah
1: well i'm I'm, um yeah no i'm being i'm being deeply sarcastic like i assumed (laughs) that that absolutely like banana pants series i vaguely remember reading in my Young Teens was not canon is not considered m- m- alpha canon these days.
0: Yeah, and never was. <laughs> there is one exception of like and most of the most of these books are very forgettable and like eventually they launch like a DS9 re like a, a continuation series of stuff. Uh, they also end up eventually um within universe basically resetting the timeline a couple years ago. Um <laughs> <laughs> to just like close off like all of the that's funny existing canon of, of books and just restart um, because it got too messy. The only the only one that you need to worry about that will be really like from like the the books in the nineties and two thousands that was released is a book called A Stitch in Time, um, yes. which is written by Andrew Robinson. Which mm-hmm. is about Garrick.
1: I I have I downloaded the audiobook of that because I saw yes. that he had, he just released a new audio book of it uh, that he narrates yeah. himself, and uh, you got very excited about yeah. that. So I decided to spend one of my Audible credits on it for the day that you, I can finally read
0: it. Yeah, you nice. are not. It, it is something you are not allowed to. Uh, Oh no, I'm fully aware it it will, it will
1: be like a year before I can, I can listen to it. But yeah, uh, I figured Um, I would, uh, pre-orders are important
0: for an author's success. Yeah, exactly. Um, it it came out of like 2000, uh, but yeah, it is uh, like the fact that, uh, you know, this is the one thing that I do enjoy about Star Trek is the ability for, um, people associated with the series to like become, very investing in investing create in creating stuff that go along with it like you don't really get that in Star Wars or even yeah. really or a lot of other series but like something that Star Trek does and that is part, part of part of the environment that it was originally created in where it's like you you're doing 26 episode seasons and yeah. it's like
2: and, and seven of them
0: yeah seven yeah it's like cast members start directing episodes and stuff Like yeah, uh, like you know, Jonathan Frakes has is like is like a working Hollywood director, (laughs) yeah. Because of TNG.
1: Well, yeah, he's he's directed like I don't know, like half of the modern Trek episodes. He's all over the. the, He's
0: done a bunch, and like he's done stuff like Leverage.
1: Yep. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I can't think of another franchise of any kind where you have actors with as much like. I don't want to say ownership, but like, it is kind of yeah. ownership, but like, yeah, I think ownership is really the only word yeah. for for the character that they portrayed.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a there's a reason that Nimoy wrote two biographies: "I Am Not Spock" and "I Am Spock." I did not know that, but that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like the first, you know, he first was like, you know, I'm I'm not this character. I need to like distance self distance myself from this character because everybody thinks that I'm this character, and then. In his second biography or a memoir type of thing, he was like, no, you know, this character has shaped me. Yeah. Yeah. That he, he shaped, he shaped Spock and Spock shaped him. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that relationship is not uncommon.
1: Oh, I, I mm. yeah, I totally get that. I think there's a lot of act. I mean, I, I would probably bet that will, uh, what's his name? Uh, Uh, Jonathan Frakes would would argue that he is was very much shaped by his portrayal of uh, number one uh, as much as, you know, anything
0: else. Um, One thing that I do find funny is that we are entering a stretch of four episodes uh, for this episode or for this episode, (laughs) like the last four episodes of the season where the recurring theme is we ran out of money. So we are just chugging along to the end of the season. Um, it does seem a lot less, much fewer, far fewer uh, set pieces from here on out. The, um, yeah, I, I would not be surprised that if, if the Odo melting into a puddle of goo and looks on his lap um, was the remains of their CGI budget.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Cause I, <laughs> Legitimately can't think of any other CGI.
2: No, we've got we've got another Odo CGI in Dramatis personae, but like when his like face like butterflies. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that's. But true. I think
2: that's basically it.
0: But yeah. but the other one is like, this one is CGI interacting with fabric, which yeah. from everything I have been told is um, if you want to make something harder, involve fabric.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and especially at the time, I'm sure. Must have absolutely kept those 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 graphic artists up for weeks getting that right.
2: And um, I mean, one of the one of the major like potential expenditures for this episode would have been the costuming for Maitel Barrett. But like, <laughs> it also would not be. It would not surprise me if like all of those outfits were just out of her closet yeah, at home. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I love how much Machel Barrett brought of herself to that character and how how much she wanted to like unashamedly play a middle-aged a horny middle-aged woman and be like no this is this is representation that we need on the screen yeah
0: oh the the other thing that i was like i was, I was thinking uh so none of the ambassadors are like particularly memorable uh they're all like 90s character actors which love that for them
1: oh i thought you meant the the actual characters
0: uh, no no the actors <laughs> the actors uh, okay um Jack Shearer, who plays the bullion ambassador, though, will go on to have the 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 blue, the seam in the head. Yeah. blue seam
1: in the head. Got
0: it. We'll go on to play three additional Star Trek roles, (laughs) including two different Starfleet Admirals. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Which, yeah, like, I love the the fact of, like, he plays a he plays two different Admirals in Voyager. Uh,
2: Human Admirals or? We have Human. not yet seen the uh, the ultimate the ultimate character actor. Well, uh, yeah, the, we, we in, haven't in gotten the in the season yet. yet. We have not gotten
0: yet. there yet. Yes, um, interesting. Okay, but like he played he plays a Romulan later in DS Nine, um, in an O'Brien Must Suffer episode, <laughs> um, nice. and uh, plays an admiral in Voyager, and then plays a different admiral in Voyager, and that role also is in the Star Trek First Contact which love that love that Amazing. just so much
1: fucking first contact
0: this is like this is one of those things where it's like is star trek first contact my favorite tng movie and it's like yes dot dot, dot because all the other ones are so forgettable
1: right i could <laughs> not tell you how many other tng movies there are or what any of them are about except that one of them has a clone of picard played by tom hardy I was gonna say played by someone famous and I can never remember who.
0: Yeah, no, it's to- it's a it's Tom Hardy in a bald cap.
1: Woof. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we do have we we should actually talk about the other episode that do we have talk about. I don't want to, as indicated in the intro of this episode, but we should.
0: Okay. Um our next episode is Dramatis Personae, written by Joe Minoski, directed by Cliff Ball. Our episode, Joe Manoski.
1: Hold on, I just want to say, Joe Manoski, will have words with you later.
0: I don't know, maybe. uh, Who knows? Maybe also Cliff Ball. Love how honestly, yeah, is.
1: I just saw your summary. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Go on. Uh, That's just a contrast to the Forsaken summary, which is like nine paragraphs.
0: I mean, it's like yeah.
2: In my defense, it's a good episode, <laughs> and there's a lot that goes on in it, okay? No, yeah.
0: I, I mean, far be it for me to throw stones. Our episode focuses on an alien ship from a race called the Valerians. The Valerians are trade partners with the Cardassians, and Kier believes they are selling dolomide to them, a refined material that can be used in weapons. Cisco doesn't want to proceed without proof, but Kira believes they're transporting weapons material. Her evidence is circumstantial, things rapidly escalate, and she wants to depose Cisco and get control of the situation. Tension brews amongst the senior staff, with loyalties being divided. you might be thinking, wow, this is a tense thriller and could have been a really ex- uh, could have been a really interesting plot about the divided motivations of a joint run space station and the uh, and deferring political interests. Except it's all alien fuckery. (laughs) A Klingon survey ship came through the wormhole and blew up immediately. With the Klingon first officer beaming over. Apparently the Klingons found a telepathic archive and just, they had some energy orbs and the orbs made him crazy and start playing out historical roles like, or, or they just became Shakespeare characters. I don't fucking know. This episode makes no fucking sense.
1: It's clear that nobody who wrote this episode knew what was going on.
0: <laughs> Cisco becomes obsessed with making a clock. O'Brien becomes like this weird authoritative crody. Kira becomes obsessed with deposing Cisco. and Dax like just becomes senile.
2: <laughs> yep i, I choose uh, I choose to believe that the the symbiont is just like I don't fu- I don't fucking know what to do with this like alien psychic orb thing I'm just gonna like we're gonna go to our happy place Dax
0: (laughs) Dax is like high as a kite in this episode
2: and then there's Julian
0: oh yeah Julian is just like this like Julian's character should have like a cigarette and a holder he's like going through like so much gossip here Um, Odo tricks a deluded Julian into finding a cure Things escalate into civil war amongst the senior staff. He tricks the entire senior staff into a cargo bay. Odo uses like a like a sonic scream thingy to expel some purple gas from the senior staff, and they vent the gas into space. The telepathic gas. So many. Everything's returned to normal, <laughs> and Cisco has a new clock for his office. All's well that ends well. I'm just gonna like sit in the corner here and just like cry. This episode they, they is have to vent so telepathic bad. gas. This
2: this is yes. like this is past the level of like it's Star Trek, don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. This is it's okay. Star Trek,
2: I'm very worried about this.
1: Yeah. Literally nothing about the alien fuckery aspect of this plot is well written. <laughs> and not just not well written, it's it's it goes so far into not well-written, it comes. It, it ends up in, like, not the fun badly written, in the, like, nothing about this works in a fun, bad, or entertaining way. It's just... It's, you know... It doesn't work as entertainment, it doesn't work as Star Trek, and it particularly doesn't work as a DS9 episode. It, it fails on, like, yeah.
0: four different levels. It fails to coalesce in anything, though I will say... All the actors are like doing well here. They're being fun. Like, if you, if you, if you like isolated any of these individual performances, I'm like, yeah, now this is fun. Like, Cisco being this weird dude who's just like, I'm obsessed with making a clock is fun. But like, there's just the, the connective tissue here is just bananas. And the fact that like, there is the hint of what could have been a very interesting plot that was actually like, Oh, Hey, this is a very real, like political concern. And like, this is, this is, this could have been a real argument between Kira and Ziska over like, Oh, Hey, these people are, are smuggling weapons or or, like they're running weapons. material. It's like catching like a third. It's, it's capturing it's capturing a third party with nuclear material, yeah. And you could have done and something instead. With this. They took a
1: big old alien shit on top of it.
0: And the worst part is, is that it makes other episodes around it worse. Yeah,
2: a hundred percent. Because it's like it's in this, between three of the best episodes of the season.
1: Yeah, it's this giant, s- just steaming turd in the in the back of the uh, of the season.
0: Yeah, and like and like a number of the and like and two of the episodes, two of the last four episodes of the season are about differences between the majority federation, or like have 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 like points that revolve around this. It was yeah
1: yeah. I took so few notes in this episode, but the one that I think is relevant, other than me just like venting about like how this is dumb, is well okay. I took two relevant notes, and the one that I think is is mentionable here is that. Uh, I didn't like this trope when it was done like the seven times in TNG and I like it even less here.
2: And they don't even have like weird alien masks to make it fun.
1: I, this is exactly the episode I was thinking of when I made that comment. Like,
2: yeah. Like I like the masks episode, like, because they've got like fun props and they're all hamming it up and like, you've got the ship transforming and it's like funky and weird. But this one is just like, people are getting paranoid and like
1: every Star Trek has done a weird alien influences crew episode better than this episode. (laughs) And this episode, it doesn't work on this episode kind of generally and it particularly. And then they, they get like the wet fart version of that trope on top of the fact that that trope doesn't really work. Kind of, it's not a really fun trope for me personally. And then they get, like I said, the wettest fart version of that trope laid into this episode. And it's just, It's not great. The only part of this episode I like, the only part of this episode I like is Bashir trying to like, after Odo gets knocked out by the weird telepathic energies, Bashir's looking at him and he's like, I don't know. Like Odo says like, am I okay? And and Bashir's like, I don't have any fun clue how you work. I don't know. (laughs) It's just such a good, that is the one shining light in this episode is Bashir's absolute, absolute honesty where he's just like, I don't fucking know. You're a weird goo man. How am I supposed to do medicine on that? Like, it's just absolutely trash bedside manner. I sus—I mean, he's already possessed at that point, so it's yeah. Not on, not on Bashir. But I do think it's just very funny that he's just like
0: I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I do love here that we get to see the first little bit of like Avery Brooks getting to be like, like Avery Brooks has had like a rather reserved take on Cisco. Um I think that it's not really until the finale where we see him like where we see like them starting to make like stretches towards like what Cisco's going to become. Mm-hmm. But like occasionally we could just see Avery Brooks act his act like bananas way out there.
2: Yeah. And and the like clock hyperfocus is is a great yeah. example. And
0: being like and, and just getting to be like a weird guy is perfect, um, and like getting to like get uh, like real intense is always great. Um, like, th- th- whatever he gets to like, like there are times when he gets to be hyper focused and super dramatic, and those are some of the best performances in this entire like in the like all eight hundred episodes of Star Trek. There are also times where he's being super intense and goofy, and I have two words for that. Hippocrates Noah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's it's uh, just as good, but it's like the, it's like the polar opposite of like, it, it, of like this is still some of the best, like some of the best fun you'll have in Star Trek, but it is entirely unserious and
2: it's like it's like bringing bringing that the energy from that ad that velvet. Uh,
0: like oh, yeah. thankfully i was us. supposed to have flying cars <laughs> so good. Um, yeah no it's i mean his delivery is just he has one of the best deliveries of like any actor mm-hmm. the
2: the other thing the other thing that i do like is that um he has the the model saratoga in his yes. office yeah um, that, that
0: is um the i like yeah, that ship yeah, the Saratoga, it's, I mean, hey, it's a good, it's, it's a good Miranda class ship. Um, I love it. The, uh, and yeah, and the clock of all things is going to become a permanent fixture in his office. Really? I just, <laughs> lo- it's, it's the weirdest thing that sticks around, but it's like, yeah, no, the, the, this, uh this clock will be a, like, will, will be in Cisco's office forever. And like, I don't think they ever mentioned it again. But it becomes like, it's it because it's a cool, it's a cool, like, prop.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, you put all the effort into building this wackadoo clock prop, you're going to get
2: your mileage out of it. Right. It it almost feels like they were trying to do something like, um, like Picard's, you know, little flute memento, uh, but just like completely and utterly failed. Uh, but, but the clock does look cool. And like, good job, props department.
0: Yeah. Apparently, when they released like toys for DS9, like when they released like action figures and toys, uh, Cisco came with that clock. <laughs> 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 that is that's that's my I was like, I was like looking at the profit. I'm like, yeah, it comes back. Right. Because I remember seeing it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. It even appears in an alternate timeline thing. Um, oh my god! It wait—that really? is the
1: silliest fucking it appears, thing it, 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 I've it, ever the, heard.
0: It's in the background of the visitor. Wow, that is the silliest damn thing I've ever. I heard. I love that so much. It's oh, uh, yeah. No, Justin,
2: that's cr- do, do we do we ever see it in in the the other set of weird
0: episodes? You know the ones—the ones with the ones with gay people. Yes, um, <laughs> the ones with. All right, I'm not going <laughs> to investigate fi- that too much. You'll find to, out
2: next season, buddy.
0: No, I don't think so.
2: All right, all right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have expected it, but like it would be really funny if it had.
0: Yeah. Um, gosh, that's wild. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that.
2: Um, you, you shall see.
1: You shall see. I look forward to it. I have literally nothing else to say about this
0: so i do have to say something that is very funny to be thinking is like okay you're one of the you're the valerian captain you are trying to make your you you have you have an honest business smuggling nuclear material the nazis (laughs) you are like you are like okay we've got everything we want here it's the federation they have nothing to suspect they're just gonna let us go on our way we're gonna we're going to we're going to stop at Terok Nor to refuel and like and, you know, and like stop for some repair for a couple hours and then we'll go to the Cardassians. We will get paid and then we are going to spend all of our money on the way back to DS9 on Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to go wrong with this. They don't have anything to suspect. And then the entire station has like a fucking mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and, and it's like, we never find out what happens with this captain, except yeah. like, the except like. He never like, returns
2: to Deep phase Nine. Yeah. It's like, I would never return to that station. I would not continue running guns for the fucking Cardassians yeah, at turns that out point.
1: This is the most effective way to dissuade the Valerians from getting involved in arms
0: trading is you just, you just weird them out. Can so you imagine, the Federation are fucking nuts. Can you imagine what DS9's Yelp reviews look like?
2: <laughs> it's all five star or one star, nothing in between. And which is what quantities. you want.
0: Which is yeah. what you want yeah. <laughs> for reviews. You never want three stars or four stars because that's the, the, the algorithm hates that. You either want five star or one star. Yeah. One yep. star.
1: Command, command staff reenacted uh a- alien uh <laughs> alien revolution poo. alien revolution could not do business do not recommend
0: <laughs> next
2: one next one uh super fun super fun ambassador you know spotted in quarks uh check check out here for celebrity watching
1: <laughs> yeah five stars security uh security uh was what what's he the constable five stars yeah. constable is h a w t <laughs> <laughs> the user is uh, a Hot 420.
0: God, if there's any character that blazes, it is Luxana Troy.
2: It's like no, it's like Sacred Bong b- Sacred Bong of Ricks.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, oh. uh, we have to uh, th- we have the- to
1: just end on that note. We have to go out on Sacred Bong of Ricks. <laughs>
2: uh, Aaron episode title. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
2: uh, do we have consensus? Yeah, yes. no,
0: absolutely. I'm, I'm, I literally don't have anything else to add in this episode. So, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, nope,
0: yep. So, I mean, the,
2: the the one thing I would say is that it's just, the plot is just so generic. Like, you could do exactly this plot basically on TNG with like a second Federation ship as the other party, and like it would be identical.
0: Yeah. All right. um, So we are going to be doing our season one finale uh, uh, next time. Uh, Those are going to be episodes 19 and 20, uh, Duet, and In the Hands of the Prophets. And it's going to be a lot heavier than this one. Yeah, just a scotch. Just a bit. Until next time, just, just keep circling. Keep circling. Just keep circling. Mm -hmm. Just keep circling Yeah Just keep circling Just
2: keep circling circling.
0: Just keep circling Just keep circling (laughs) The Babylon Project is an independent production All views expressed on the show are our own